And open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. So, <clears throat> happy Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I hope you had a great uh, time giving thanks to God and your family and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, isn't that good even right now, just saying a few words of thanks, what does that do to our hearts, right? Softens them, takes us off ourselves and onto uh, others and giving, so uh, uh, that's always a good thing. So I really wrestled today with the message whether to do another Thanksgiving sermon. I heard that Mr. Poulos did an outstanding job last week. Uh, preaching about surrendered gratitude. Uh, so thank you, Grayson. Um, so I thought, should we do another Thanksgiving sermon, or should we move on? And I decided that we can never be thankful enough, so I can't say we're thankful enough. By the way, I have a major announcement. There's, there's a major change in the church that's happened this morning. Uh, Eli and Janssen now are sitting over here instead of over there. So I know this is throwing us all off, but, um, you know, I don't know, welcome to the sheep side instead of the goats. I don't know, you know, goat, sheep, you know. Yeah, you're, you're. he's the goat. Uh, anyways, so anyways, just thought I'd address that because I know many of us were already uncomfortable with the radical changes going on in our world. Anyway, so we can never be thankful enough, right? But I think um, it's time to move on from thankfulness sermons for a little bit. And next week, we're going to start a Christmas sermon series on uh, the character of the king and talking about Jesus. So I'm excited about that. And a little preview, a little sneak preview in the new year, we're going to dive deep into the book of Acts, and we are going to study for a number of months, actually, uh, the book of Acts, and we're going to have some good exegetical sermons. You guys know what that means? It means where we just let the Bible preach. Uh, we read out of the, preach out of the word, its message versus into it, our message. Anyways, I'm super excited about that, I've begun preparing for that. And you're going to hear more from more than just me, from each other as well, from the book of Acts. So we have a, we have a, a free agent sermon. And so I thought it would be fun to talk about the holiday season. And the title of our message is, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Who has enjoyed the beginning of the Christmas music season? All right, some of us. Is there anyone that's already sick of it? Okay, bah humbugs on you, okay? Uh, 98.1, I love the Christmas music that comes on now, I think about in September. Uh, not quite September, but it's awfully early. Uh, but it's so fun listening. But this is, the, this is one of my favorite songs. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The truth is, though, that at times the holidays can be not so wonderful, right? Who feels like it's the start of busy season? 
and I only CPAs will think that it's not the busy season. Uh, it's busy, right? All kinds of parties to go to, gifts to prepare and buy and wrap and, and cookies to bake and, you know, just all kinds of craziness uh, going on. And beyond that, in my family, it's also the start of basketball season, which means about 80 or so basketball games, I think, this year that we won't be attending them all. Message to my children, I'm not coming to all your games because uh, I do have a life. Um, I'll try to make most, <clears throat> and I'm, anyways, um, so it's, 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 it's crazy busy, it can be sometimes a discouraging time of year, sadness over things maybe not going the way we wanted them to go in our life, um, we can be anxious about what we're going to get for Christmas, and, uh, and, and how to uh, do that sort of thing, so anyways, um, What we're going to do in this sermon is we're going to attempt to apply biblical principles to the holiday season in the belief and the conviction that when we apply biblical principles instead of the world's principles, that it will produce a wonderful time of year. Amen? Amen? I think that uh, turkey, uh, sleepy turkey is crossed over into Sunday. Anyways, by the end of this time, that will be gone. Okay. Hopefully. Uh, so it's the most wonderful time of year, some biblical, biblical principles around the holiday season. Point number one, choosing faith over folly. Choosing faith over folly. Let's turn a look in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. We're going to read a, a well-known story of Mary and Martha. At G, verse 30, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work By myself. Man, that, 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 that sounds something like from my kids' mouths. Uh, except um, it's usually not the sister doing the work. Anyway, um, wow, why did I say that? Uh, uh, tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better it will not be taken away from her. You know, uh, um, Martha is feeling the pressures. Maybe it wasn't the holiday season, but it was Jesus came to town season uh, in, around her house. And she was feeling the pressure, the anxiety, the busyness of we got to get the turkey and we got to get the ham and we got to get dressing and oh, I forgot an important ingredient and now I got to run to festival to get that because they closed down the grocery store next to my house. So now I have to go across town and all that Mary's doing is sitting around hanging out with Jesus like extra long quiet times while I'm doing all the work. Okay. And, uh, and these are not preparations that are periphery. They have to be made. Right. Um, and Her heart was just filled, her spirit 
her tenor was filled with gripping things that have to get done. And it really, uh, it, 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 uh, it ru- not ruined, it, it made her time around Jesus um, less than what it could have been. Mary, though, chose, Jesus said, Mary chose what was better. Only one thing is needed. And guys, here's the reality about the holiday season. There's going to be way more demands on your time and on your to-do list than what you probably will have time for. And so we need to make choices. And I would charge us, if we're going to have a wonderful time of year, I would charge us to choose faith, choose God, choose Jesus over the folly of just doing more and more and more and more of things that don't really matter. Couple, couple practicals. Number one, let's decide during this holiday season. We're gonna sit at Jesus' feet every day. Amen? We're gonna sit at Jesus' feet every day. We're not gonna let the busyness of finals, if the college students are here, though they're all gone. <laughs> Isaiah's here. Um, we're not gonna let finals of, of things, we're not gonna let the craziness of the holidays overtake the reason for the season. Okay? We're going to choose to sit at Jesus' feet. We're going to choose to study our Bibles, to think about God, to pray, to not compromise because of busyness what comes, what must come first. That's Jesus. But not to just sit at Jesus' feet every day. Secondly, I want to challenge you to think through this holiday season about how you can carve out some special time with Jesus. Okay? I want us to look over at a busy time in Jesus' life in Luke chapter 5. Carve out some special time. Um, Luke chapter 5, verse 15, it says, uh, um, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him, to be healed of their sickness. If we stop right there, Jesus had a crazy schedule. He had people coming and demanding of his time and wanting to talk to him and wanting to be healed and Here's my grandma to heal. Here's my uncle. Here's my aunt. And he he worked extremely hard. If there was anyone who was busy with things that needed to be done, people, right, needed to be helped and encouraged and healed, it was Jesus. No one's busier than Jesus. Yet, Jesus, in verse 16, sets for us an example of how to handle an overwhelming schedule. Verse 16, it says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Uh, Another, the New American Standard says that Jesus often uh, withdrew to the wilderness. So he got alone, and he took extra, he carved out time. I don't know how many of you carved out a turkey uh, this past week, okay? But you got to carve out time extra time, special time to spend with Jesus. By the way, what is it that we're actually celebrating? Kind of like the birth of Jesus, right? And yet if we're too busy in all our celebrating of Jesus to actually spend time with Jesus, because that's what he wants, then maybe we should rethink what we're doing with our lives, right? Isn't that Obi-Wan Kenobi? Didn't he say that once? Because there's a new Star Wars coming out, right? Go rethink your life. You know, where's Carter? Was that Obi-Wan? 
so, someone go go rethink your life, okay? Okay, if we're too busy to spend some some special time, what do I mean by special time? I don't know, maybe carve out a Saturday morning, maybe carve out a 24-hour period where you turn your phone off. Oh, happy day. <laughs> maybe carve out even a couple days to get into the wilderness and pray. I've got my time carved out uh, where, where, when I'm doing it, where it's in my schedule, and nothing, not even a child's basketball game. Important as it is, we're going to get in a time of my special time with my best friend. Amen? Jesus. You know, I'm so excited. We, we talk about this a lot in the church, about, you know, walking with God and doing, having a relationship with Him that's palpable, that's real. I'm so excited as I was thinking about this of people that I just through the grapevine I've heard have done this very thing. Brad Schultz took a couple days off work and went down to the Mississippi River with like no, no food, nothing. He's like, God will provide. And he fished and he caught some fish. I think he took a little butter. That's what he took to eat. Uh, Brad Schultz went and got special time with Jesus. Chris Moose took some time up to the Northern uh, Michigan, uh, Upper Peninsula. Uh, Josh and Nicole do this all the time. They take special times. Josh Rizzo um, went and biked by himself to a state park and had alone time with God. And then he had an appointment the next morning at like 6 or something like that, wasn't it? And he got up, packed up camp, and biked back to town to get to his appointment on time. That's That's... I mean, he could have just drove. I don't know, but it's something about biking that encourages him. Caleb Palmer took a week recently to spend alone with God. Jake Cornick does this recently, uh, does this regularly. I know uh, uh, Tim Bernicke, I heard, went on a, on a retreat to um, northern uh, Wisconsin. You know, this is just something that, that uh, uh, is, is a regular part of our diet, a regular part of our relationship with God, carving out uh, special uh, periods of time to be able to go deeper. Uh, in our scriptures and our prayers, that sort of thing. If you don't know how to do that or if you're new to that, number one, if you think, well, I'm too busy for that, you're just wrong. These are not full-time ministry people that I just said. These are people with jobs and kids and families and everything you got. So you're not some special case that you're too busy. You're choosing to be too, be too busy. Uh, make a different choice. Choose to sit at the feet of Jesus. Amen? Ask these people, ask others how to do it, uh, what helps. Okay, number one, choose faith over folly. Number two, choose giving over getting. Choose giving over getting. What's one of the most often asked questions around the holiday season? Roni, raise his hand. Thank you. <laughs> what do you want for Christmas? Yeah, and we like to think about that, and I'm not condemning uh, getting gifts for Christmas. I mean, I'm looking forward to some of mine, hopefully that I'll get. Um, but that's a, But the Bible does say something that it's actually, Acts 20, verse 30, 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? So maybe the question we should be asking is, what do you want to give for Christmas? How about let's make that the most oft-asked question in our church family, amen? Not, hey, what do you want... To get for Christmas, what do you want to give 
for Christmas. Let's look in John chapter 12 at Mary again, who is a great example of this. John chapter 12, verse 1. Listen for the contrast between Mary and Judas. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany while, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Judas was thinking about what he was going to get, okay? And in, it was just a self-centered mindset, a self-centered spirit, okay? Mary didn't come into that time thinking about what she was going to get, but how she could give. And who was more blessed? Obviously, Mary. Let's not think about what we just want to get for Christmas, but what we want to give for Christmas. I want to especially challenge the preteens and teens. It's easy to think about what we want, right? And maybe even someone asks you to write a list. And that's a good thing. Again, I'm not saying that we can't give and get Christmas presents, but at least think about what you want to give as a gift. Amen? As much as you want what you want to get. Um, think about that. And you can say, well, I'd love to give, but I just don't have much money. Listen to this. It's not what you do with the million, if fortune should e'er be your lot, but what you are doing at present with the dollar and quarter you got. Double boom. <laughs> and I'd love to give that to someone, but it's unknown. So I think I just said it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, guys, listen, giving isn't about the quantity of the cost. It's about the heart. Amen? And so teens, preteens, you may not have a lot, but if you put some thought, Chase, into what you could give your sisters for Christmas or, uh, um, you know, what, what you can to give to, you know, good old mom and dad even, some thought, some heart, some creativity into that, you will be the one who will be blessed because you were more concerned about what you wanted to give than what you get Want the best Christmas ever? Think creatively about how you can give. Number three, choose family fun over futile frivolity. A little alliteration for you this morning. Family fun over futile frivolity. You know, the holidays is a most wonderful time of year for family fun. Amen? But we can waste it on futile, frivolous entertainment. 
things like Facebook, video games, Instachat, Gram, Snap. I like it. I put that all together. Um, you know what? It's, it's, it's interesting how much time, silly, futile things that bring no real value to ourselves or others. We can just get caught up and sucked in, and there goes our day, right? And yet we're, we're so busy, we can't do all good things, and yet we certainly have enough time for frivolous entertainment that is utterly meaningless. Are you with me there? Um, we, we waste so much, we can waste the holidays away. Um, maybe carve out some time where we put, instead of uh, putting the holidays away, we put the phone away. We put the TV away. And we learn how to have fun as a family. Uh, family tradition. We talked about this the other day. Some family traditions. Maybe some family sharing. I was excited. We talked with the men the other day about how to lead in the holiday season. One of the things was to lead some time of giving thanks. And I, got a, uh, I asked Jeff if I could use him as an example. Mesakalski. And uh, I think I did, didn't I? Or I just told him I was going to use an example. I don't know. I've, I think I asked. Um, but, uh, uh, but Jeff led a time of giving thanks to his parents. And uh, it was a wonderful time. You know, um, family traditions. We like to, on Christmas Eve, we all sleep out by the tree. Well, all but Christy. She likes to get a good night's sleep. So she sleeps in the bed. Uh, maybe someday she'll repent and join the rest of us. <laughs> Just kidding. She like, we like to sleep out by the tree, and we're especially excited this year because our dog is going to get to sleep with us. Uh, hopefully we won't eat us. Um, but uh, we sleep out by the tree. We make really unhealthy donuts Christy, uh, Chris, Christmas morning. Um, bunch of different family traditions, going to cut down the tree, what we do Christmas afternoon, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I also want to say that there's a lot of family fun. It's just in, in an environment. I don't know if there's anyone that's more, um, do does this well than Travis Schroeder. Can I get an amen? amen. I mean, I just was looking for actually the times I would see on Facebook uh, where the kids are flying down that driveway and s s jumping off the, the, the jumps at the end. I'm like, I hope that child survives. And I, there's no way Chrissy was a part of this. <laughs> but they have fun, and they have so much fun that they, they, he, Travis made a sled on wheels. And it was during the summer that Aiden went down and uh, uh, ended up. But there's just... There's, there's, there's rock climbing walls and trampolines on tops of porches, and there's just, at the, just Travis is just a big kid himself. Are you with me? He's just a big kid, and he loves to have fun, but it's contagious, isn't it? And I'm like, Travis, where do you find the time to make pizza ovens and foot golf courses and rock walls and indoor foosball courts and, and, and it's just I don't know how he does I think there's four or five of him he's figured out cloning 
and he holds down a job, and they adopted a child. Throw that in this year, <laughs> or the last five years. But, uh, um, you know, it's contagious, family fun. Travis um, is, is a good model of that, that we can imitate his faith. Amen? Um, you know, speaking of family play, let's not forget to play as a church family and have some fun. And I got something in my van the other day that I wanted to, to ask about. So this showed up in the back of my van, and I have some suspicions of who may have been a part of this, um, and I don't know why this young man is so red right now and squirming like crazy. Won't name any names, but he's sitting right behind Eli. But this is some family fun right here. You know, and, and uh, um, you know, whenever Tyler and Ellie Kirkhoff come over to my house, there's always something different after they leave. And it's not just their gregarious personalities, but we have a um, we have a, a letters in my kitchen E A T. But it's always different after they leave. It's like T E A, <laughs> or uh, uh, there's something missing or something added. Anyways, it's part of family. Family uh, fun. Uh, choosing family fun over, what's, what's better? What brings more of a wonderful time? That or Snapchatting Graham? You know, are you with me there? Let's choose family fun over futile frivolity. And lastly, choosing dreams over discouragement. The holidays can be a time where it's tough. There's there's loss. You know, this will be the first holidays without Christie's mom this year. There's times where it's hard. The holidays have a way of bringing out things that aren't in our lives that we wish were. Or maybe there's uh, um, some things haven't gone this past year the way we've wanted them to go. Um, these things are real, and they can be discouraging. Are you with me there? But there really is a choice that we can make. We can choose to take things that are discouraging and we can choose to sit in that space. And we can choose to, in a way, wallow in woe is me and this isn't good. And I, you know, and I am not at all making light of things that are hard or things of pain and suffering. The Bible doesn't do that. And yet, uh, we can choose to allow God to take these things that are discouraging us and actually turn them into dreams for the future. Well, let me look over in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. I'm going to share a time in my own life where God did this with me. Acts chapter 2, in verse 17. So one of the things we're going to study about in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. If there's ever a theme in the book of Acts, it's the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, there's many theologians who believe that the, the act, do you guys know what Acts is short for? Acts of the Apostles. Okay? There's many theologians who think that the book should actually be named Acts of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is all through 
the book of Acts. And it's really one of the main books that we learn about the Holy Spirit from in the Scriptures. But in the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them, tongues of fire, violent wind, etc., etc., speaking in different languages. But it says here in Acts 2, verse 17, the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. One of the fruits of the Spirit in our lives is that we don't just look back on the, in the past as to what happened, but in a special way as a, as a spiritual person or as a spiritual group, we look forward to the future. We can see through the current and the, and the past, even the suffering that we're currently may be experiencing, and believe that God has a purpose through it. God has a purpose for it, that the past doesn't dictate the future. Amen? And we can be a people that in the midst of discouraging circumstances, in the midst of painful loss, we don't sit in that spot and are Debbie Downers. But we can see toward the future of what can be, what, how God can, through His power and His grace, can bring glory to Himself through the hardest and the most challenging of circumstances. And this is what helps us to choose dreams for the new year, for the, uh, the future, over discouragement. You know, one of my holiday seasons that was tough was 1994. The 1994 holiday season, I remember it as it was yesterday. Because this was one of the times I was most discouraged. And I'm usually a pretty kind of, I wouldn't say I'm like the epicenter of fun like Travis, but I, 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 I'm overall fairly feeling fine. Amen? Okay? Um, but during this time, I was so discouraged. Um, some hard things had happened in some of my closest relationships. Uh, my faith was really low. Um, I wasn't doing well spiritually. Um, I was, I had kind of lost a sense of purpose. I felt like I had found a sense of purpose and then I lost it. Um, at the beginning of 1994, I was dating a girl, Christian girl, amen? Those are the, those are the best kind to date. Anyways, um, and during that year, we had broken up. So I felt like my life was like a country song. And I wasn't talking about the good kind of country song. I'm talking about the tear in my beer kind of, kind of country song. My dog left. My truck stopped working. My car, guitar broke. Um, what else is there? Uh, ran over the cat. Like, I don't know which actually at the time wouldn't have bothered me, but I really love my cat now. Um, so uh, um, just so discouraged. Are you with me there? Have you ever had times? And uh, uh, it was interesting. One of my friends gave me this, this book. It's called Mind Change. And he gave it to me for Christmas in 1994. And when you're discouraged, you, you, you just read everything wrong. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm blaming myself for everything, and he gave me this, and like, 
and I'm just like, oh, you, so you think it's all my fault, don't you? You know, you just, everything, it just goes dark, right? Every thought, every intention, every projection of your own darkness onto everyone else. But anyways, he gave me this book, said The Overcomer's Handbook, and it was written by Tom Jones. And here's a man who has uh, multiple sclerosis, and his phys- he faces intense physical health challenges every day. And this book is a lot about how he struggles through it. Um, but uh, uh, there was, I just found this recently, and I had forgotten that there was a, a little note that the brother wrote in here. He says, Dear Joel, I hope this book's helped set you up for a very victorious 1995 for the Lord. I love you very much and will always cherish your friendship in the gospel. Have a Merry Christmas, Eric. And I'm a little choky now because uh, this man passed away a couple years ago, but he's the one who, um, who, who first believed in me that I could actually um, do some things for, for God. God could work through me. But he gave me this book, and uh, I loved it. I ate it up, and I marked it up, and it was good. But some of they, toward the end, they have what he calls um, power thoughts and just some thoughts. And one of them is, is God, pray this, God, do something powerful in spite of my weakness. Another one was this, whoever gives up on God always gives up too soon. So I'm ashamed to say I wasn't that far away from giving up at this time in my life. Um, you may be challenged and weak, but you can still have radical faith. Good stuff, huh? And guess what? My mind started to change. And I started to go from wallowing in woe is me to beginning to dream, beginning to have vision, beginning to learn the things that I think God really needed, wanted me to, not needed, wanted me to learn, which is a lot of the purpose of why he had me go through that time, and to dream and to have vision uh, again. And uh, it was pretty early on that year, I felt like I just, said, I, I grieved my losses, and I surrendered. I let go of the things that I can't control. You know, there's a lot that, I, that I'm not in control of, and I need to learn that I'm not in control of, and I need to let it go, amen, in order to receive the good that God wants to give me. Started to get my faith back. Relationships started to go better as I started to not be so selfish and prideful. Uh, it's interesting how that works. Uh, I started to give. Instead of, instead of needing everyone to like me, I started giving encouragement and building them up. I started dating this young little uh, young lady named Christy P. Christy Ingebretson, who had come around right during the depths of my darkness. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, and, and we started enjoying one another's company. Um, and by the end of that year, God had restored and was working again, well, he was working through that time, but I felt, again, that I was ready for an enjoyable, actually, holiday season by the end of 1995. You know, there was another time when we, were, we weren't as, as discouraged, but 
we were more in, we were in, leading the church in Omaha, and it was going okay, and uh, um, actually it was going pretty well. But uh, there was a dream that started to build, and our actually started to come back to life in our hearts. And it was actually the Thanksgiving Saturday of 2005, so it would have been yesterday, uh, 12 uh, years ago, that Christy and I sat down with uh, Steve Sandin and Gary Hedman at the buyer lease in Golden Valley, Minnesota, which was a suburb of Minnesota. We sat down and said, we, we're so excited about this meeting, we wanted to share our dream to plant a church in uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Some of these guys didn't even know where Eau Claire was. Um, but we're going to plant this church, and we sat down. We were so excited about the meeting. Jordan was asleep in her baby seat in the car. We left. We forgot Jordan in the car. It was only for a few minutes before you label us as, you know, horrible, terrible, no good, very bad people. Oh, we are. Uh, we remembered her. Jordan. Oh, yeah. Let's get her. <laughs> um, and we sat down. We said, we have a dream. Will you support us? That means... Give us lots of money. That's what that means. If anyone asks, will you support us? Okay. Um, and, I, and, and they were like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And, and I remember sitting down with, um, in our kitchen in, in Omaha and having Kenny and Laura Tubwell come over and uh, said, we have a dream. We want to plant a church in Eau Claire. And Laura was like, yes, let's do it. And Kenny was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop. Breaks. Uh, that's north, right? That's cold, right? Just said, follow Jesus, Kenny. And we decided, we dreamed of planning the church uh, here together. Uh, discouragement to dreaming. How does this work? Number one, we've got to grieve our losses. There is loss in life, and it's hard, and it hurts. If you just stuff it and put it away and shove it under the rug, it doesn't produce the thing God wants it to pro it can produce. When we grieve, though, our losses, we grieve our broken dreams. We, we grieve the loss of maybe a friend or parent or a family member. Um, it, in, it enlarges our heart instead of shrinking our heart. Surrendering the things we can't control, drawing close to God who is in control, having a specific vision and making steps, plans of how to get there. This is how we can go from being discouraged to dreaming again. Amen? It's the most wonderful time of year. We're going to lead into communion, being thinking about Jesus. It's the most wonderful time of year, but the world can turn it into a not very wonderful time of year. Let's choose these biblical principles and apply them and watch what God does. Let's, we're following Jesus in this, amen? Jesus chose faith and surrendered to God's will over the folly of control. He chose to give his body and his blood over getting short-term comfort by shirking his cross. Instead, he chose to carry his cross. He chose to take care of family on the cross as he gave John to his mother, his mother to the Apostle John. By the power of God and through the empty tomb, he led his disciples from discouragement to God-glorifying dreams for his kingdom. We have a most wonderful king, a most wonderful kingdom. 
Let's remember and imitate his heart in this holiday season, and it will surely be a most wonderful time of year. Let's go ahead and pray for communion. Father, thank you so much uh, for all the ways you've blessed us. It's so good for us to be thankful, to draw our hearts and minds to the blessings, the goodness of who you are and how you treat us. Father, I pray during this holiday season that as a church family, it really can be a most wonderful time of year, Father, that we can shine like stars in the universe while the world is, is hairy and, and busy and anxious and worried and upset about meaningless things. Father, that we can have faith, that we can sit at the feet of Jesus. Father, I pray as we remember Jesus, we can think about him and about spending some special time with him. Father, I pray we imitate Jesus and that we think more about how to give than get during this holiday season. God, I pray that we can, uh, if we're feeling discouraged today, that we can uh, uh, remember that Jesus also had times of great sorrow and great discouragement, and yet God did not abandon him to the grave, that even through the cross, that there was a purpose in a meaning. We celebrate this purpose, that as Jesus gave his body and his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, to be exactly what we, we needed, the sacrificial lamb of God, that you lifted Jesus up. You raised him through your power from the dead, and that this fact Today, the fact of the empty tomb can give us whatever discouraging circumstances we're going through can remind us that you have the power to give us, through your spirit, visions and dreams for the future. God, thank you for Jesus, our wonderful King. Help us to remember and draw close to him during this time of communion. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.